Hello, hello, and welcome to Business of Design. You are not only in the right place if you are a hardworking interior design professional, but you are in for a treat today because I'm being joined by the one and only Director of Operations at Business of Design, Cheryl Horan. Hey, Cheryl. How are you? I'm doing all right. Cheryl and I had uh, an opportunity, which I guess it's going on a few weeks now, where we got to do a live event, which was hilarious. I think I said on another episode that I forgot my shoes. And so I was wearing pads that were super high. You were, you were not a big deal. Nobody would have noticed if you didn't point it out. They were dragging on the ground and they were so filthy dirty when I got back into the car. It was hilarious, but it was, it was fun to see people together face to face, but it was also kind of strange. Did you feel like that was kind of a weird, because people were spaced out and stuff. It was kind of odd. Yeah, everyone was spaced out. People weren't, you know, you're not really sure, like, can I take my mask off? Like, I'm not really close to anybody. You know, it's sort of that, like, what, not only your own comfort level, it's like, you have to be very aware if your behavior is making somebody else comfortable or uncomfortable, but it was very well done. And it was so good to see you face to face, but I want more. Now, now you just like, you give a mouse a cookie. You just, I got a little bit. Now I want more. I know. But what else was amazing about that event is that you started talking because there was a lot of people there that were brand new to business of design, not necessarily not knowing who we are, but they, you know, not members yet, things like that. So um, you started talking about the very first time you spoke, you know, BOD content. And there were three people there that were with you for that very first seminar. I was so shocked. I didn't, I've never had that happen before where I said the very first time was at the Weaver's Art. And I was terrified. I thought I was going to vomit before I spoke because I thought, how could I possibly tell you guys the truth? You're going to think I'm such a loser. No one's ever said I was at that event. And three people said they were at that event and they remember it exactly. I actually get goosebumps thinking about it. It's crazy. And that's amazing that like almost 20 years later, or, you know, almost 20 years later, they're still coming to BOD events. Like it's just, it's one of those things where you sort of, you need to hear things on repeat and you know, to retain it, to do it, to hold you accountable, that it doesn't really matter how many times you've taken a course or listened to a seminar. It's still, you're going to get something new out of it every single time. It's so funny. And Jane was one of the people, I can't think of her her last name right now, but anyway, Jane was in the front row. She's one of the people that was at that event. She said, you're so mean sometimes. I don't even remember what I was talking about, (laughs) but she comes to a lot of things. So I think once in a while you need someone to tell you the truth and be tough. I just do. I, it it works for me anyway. If you, if you're too soft, I'm not going to listen to you. I need a coach. Who's got a little bit of a bite. I think, I don't know. Well, and most of the events that we've been doing our monthly, you know, BOD lives with our members and everything, when you say things or ask people to like, you know, what do you charge? They're so used to it now that I was sort of surprised by the reaction that it was such a big deal to stand up and, and say that I almost forgot when you're not you know, when you haven't been doing the BOD thing for a long time, that it's not, it's not openly talked about, you know, you don't just stand up and say what you charge um, by the hour or what your consultation was. That was the first thing that you were getting people to voice what their consultation rate is. And then of course I got the chance to talk to a couple of people, someone with a really high consultation rate basically has no clients and no projects. So that was, that was interesting. And then somebody with a horribly low consultation rate has huge projects, big projects. So it's, it doesn't tell the whole story, but at least uh, people start, start. So we got to start somewhere. we got to start talking about something somewhere. Yeah. 
Well, for this episode specifically, I'm going to be asking you a few member questions. So while we're on the topic of rates and consultations, I'm just going to jump into the first one, because this is a question that I get a lot. And I feel like I've answered it one-on-one a lot of times, but we haven't really put the answer out there. Okay. But you know what we didn't do yet? Announcements. Right. You have <laughs> that's any? Any, yeah, that's usually the only reason that I'm here. Is I the know, announcements. I, know, I got yeah. so excited I get to talk about something else. <laughs> Tell um, me what's you know, going on. Well, I mean, obviously the big push right now is for the retreat. Um, it's coming up in April of 2022, but we've got so much interest in it already. I forget, like it's been so long since we've done it. So um, maybe since we're doing announcements together today. Um, you can talk a little bit about what um, what we do with the retreats. Again, it's been a while, even for those who have attended, <laughs> um, since we've really put that information out there. I think part of the magic of a retreat is it gives us enough time so we can peel away a couple of layers of the onion. Because just that we were talking about that event where you go, what do we charge? What do you charge? Everybody's super uncomfortable and uneasy at first. They don't know each other. They don't feel safe. Why are you asking me this information? What am I going to get out of this conversation? You know, there's just a little bit of a hesitancy. And the advantage of the retreat is that we're together for an entire like four days, right? Four days and three nights. And so that's a that's quality time that we're spending together. And a camaraderie builds, some trust builds, vulnerability is exposed. Like it has never failed that by day three, somebody, many people are, you know, tearing up over a situation that has been really destroying them for the last year. And, you know, it's not always somebody who's new to business. It's not always somebody who's a rookie and hasn't yet implemented the business of design 15 steps. I think if you recall the last retreat, it was actually some of our most senior business of design members, women who are running profitable, highly visible, highly successful companies had had a really, really bad year and shared that with everybody. And it, it, it really was sobering for all of us to see you know, what a toll this business can take on us. So I think that's part of the charm, right? Like that there's a, a certain camaraderie that builds. You watch that, right? When you're at the retreat. Yeah, of course. And so, you know, you get to know people so well. I mean, even one of the reasons why, you know, for any of our events like this, we always do, we did it for boss group as well, sort of an icebreaker game, a get to know each other game where you sort of, you, you know, you share some personal information, your intentions, your goals, your hopes and dreams and all that is, because you know, by the end of this, you're talking about your finances. You're talking about getting fired or a client from hell. You know, you're not going to have those conversations with people you still feel like are strangers. So that's one of the things that, like, you just you know, we make sure everyone gets to know each other really quick. And I know that so many, you know, bond on the trip and continue to the you know form little groups and and talk to each other afterwards. And you know, you sort of have that accountability and um, those that you can share with. And that sort of goes beyond, you know, the final day of the, the retreat. Yes, it does. And then I'm going to say, in addition to that, the, the magic of the retreat is members know business of design for the one and done events. We do the conferences, the retreats, uh, the BOD live, the coaching, even they, they know us, they trust us, they respect us for those things. But often what happens at the end of one of those events is they want more, They want to continue the learning. They want to continue the process. And really that's where BOD boss level membership came in. 
And those are different things. The boss level membership is really a way for me to grow a body of peers who are at my level in terms of how I run my business. And the retreat is an opportunity to find out what you're made of. We do some deep diving in terms of learning, but we also just have a lot of fun. I mean, there's definitely, uh, you know, alcohol and home tours involved, and we're going to meet experts and every trip is a little bit different, but there is just, just something magical that happens when we're together for that amount of time. And uh, anyway, I, I, for one, cannot wait. So excited. So excited. So I will go into the details. I don't think that I already covered it. So uh, that is happening Thursday, April 28th to Sunday, May 1st, 2022. We do have early bird registration happening until December 15th. So you're going to save $300 and you're only going to be asked for a 50% deposit in order to register. And then of course, if you're a business of design member, you're also going to get in on preferred pricing and you're going to save an additional $500. So there is a loose itinerary on the uh, website just to give you an idea of what the breakdown of each day uh, looks like. So all the details are there. Please check that out. Uh, Register early. We do have a lot of interest in this event. Again, we haven't done this in so long. I think our team is so excited about this, probably even more so than those already signed up. But uh, details are on the website. And if that doesn't answer your questions, please reach out to me, Cheryl at businessofdesign.com. Yes, indeed. And, you know, one question we've gotten in the event, the pandemic, you know, takes a right. weird twist and there's an upturn and an upspike. Our position is that we will refund your money 100%. We just aren't even going to mess around with that. But we're feeling pretty optimistic over here, feeling like we, we may be through the worst of it. And uh, thank goodness we survived. Yes. Yes. We thrived. Right. We did more than survived, right? I was just speaking to a friend of my, uh, my son Cooper was over for uh, Thanksgiving weekend. He brought a friend of his over and Allison runs a hair salon. They had a horrible, horrible time during the pandemic. Can you imagine? They couldn't open their salon. You can't really do all the things she does with hair from her home and nobody wanted to go to somebody else's home. So, I mean, just, there are just so many industries that were hurt so badly. We have to be so, so grateful. Oh yeah, no, talking to so many members. I mean, we've, for the most part, our industry has been very lucky. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Yeah. All right. So you started to say that there was a question we get asked frequently. Actually, I don't know what the questions are. So this is, this is always fun. Like, well, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go now. I, I'll okay. take over. Yeah. Um, okay. So the question I get all the time is when you're speaking, um, you often say that uh, you have your rates on your website. So I get inquiry because people go looking for like a list of like your hourly rate, your senior designers thinking that there's going to be this chart, this breakdown of all of the fees that you charge for clients and they don't find that on the website. So that's sort of the 
you know, what they're looking to have clarified. So what we do have on your website is your consultation rate. So maybe you can tell people why we only have your consultation rate on the website. There's a member named Javier, I think, who asked this question too, right? Wasn't that like a live event or something? He said, hey, wait a minute. I don't see your rates. Um, We used to have a full our full rates on the website, maybe two or three website iterations ago. Uh, I just found that I didn't need it. Putting that consultation rate out there and our consultation rate has now bumped up to $1,000 for two hours. Putting that consultation rate out there is sufficient in terms of encouraging clients to self-select. In other words, if you don't like that consultation rate, you're really not going to like the hourly fees that you're going to get every month. So we may not be the right firm for you. And, uh, you know, the reality is what's happened for us as we've done that, as that rate has gone up and up, is we do have fewer calls. I'm not going to lie to you. We do have fewer calls, but almost every single one of them turns into a project. It really has worked out for us that we're not wasting our time, you know, answering questions from from those clients who aren't probably right for our firm. So if you're new, if you're just starting out, definitely put all your rates on your site. You know, that's a really good way to handle it. Or a shortcut would be just to make sure your consultation rate is uh, loud and proud on the site. Well, and your website, the content on there needs to follow the exact same systems that you're following in your business. You don't need your website to sell all of your services because the goal is to get the initial phone call and to sell a consultation. So all you really need for that is your consultation rate, right? Like they don't even need to know your hourly rate if they're not going to pay your consultation. Yeah, that's that's such a good point. And if that consultation rate isn't a little bit scary, you're probably going to find yourself going to consultations with clients who can't afford your services. You know, that's the reality. Yeah. Next question. All of these are going to be like clarifying questions. Um, so one of the other questions we get um, that, again, is just about the steps. And if you're, if you're really in-depth doing these, then this might seem, um, you know, repeat. But questions about narrowing down your client's design aesthetic um, and that you can't possibly get all the information that you need out of the consultation alone in order to put together an entire presentation. So how do you do that? And do you really not have other meetings between the consultation and the presentation? Oh, wow. We get this one a lot. And I do understand. I mean, it, you know, 20 years ago, if somebody had told me I was able to do this, I would have said, you're crazy. There's no possible way this can't be done, but it can be done. The fact of the matter is I have two big opportunities to get all the information I need out of the clients in terms of the design aesthetic. And the first is the consultation where I just ask them. And at that consultation, uh, you know, when Isoon speaks to them, she asks them to please be prepared to show me some uh, inspiration photos, you know, things that they love, because it's not enough for the client to say, I love Hollywood Regency. I need to see what in her mind that means visually. So she's going to show me some photos. And there are some clients who are so easy, you know, we're doing one now where she said, I love Hollywood Regency. She pulls out photographs, hundred percent are Hollywood Regency. She means it. She's, she knows exactly what she wants. It's so much trickier when you have somebody who says, I like modern, and then they pull out photos that are country and traditional and transitional and modern. And you're like, oh, now we have a problem, right? So then I have this other opportunity at trade day. And what happens for me at trade day, because I'm in the home for so long, I actually get a sense of what the client should want from the home. 
So my philosophy as a designer, and yours could be different, but my philosophy is that the home should be a reflection of the neighborhood, the setting, the architecture, and then the client's desired aesthetic as well. And usually there's one or two right answers that make sense. So I mentioned on the show a while ago that we have this favorite client and we were just about in November, we're going to be starting a big renovation at their home. And she went out and bought a new house twice the size. Oh my gosh, that's insane, right? So the thought was, oh gosh, Kimberly, you're not going to believe what we did. We went out, we bought a new house. I'm like, oh yeah, wow, that's exciting. What are we going to do? So the thought was from the client is we'll just transition everything that we've picked for the current house to the new house. Well, I now have gotten to see the new house. It's a different house. It's a different vibe. It's super over the top luxe, much more. I don't, I can't think of a a good way to describe it. It it looks like Trump tower. I don't want, I'm not going to say that, but (laughs) it's, it's over the top luxury, over the top, almost gaudy, where the other house was understated and classic. So yeah, we're going to transition lots of the pieces that she's already selected, but we got to bump it up a notch in terms of uh, the final selection. So the tiles that we had planned for the first house are not going to be the tiles I'm going to propose for the second house. And this is like a crazy challenging job because it's happening so fast. Like it's really really testing uh, the 15 steps and do they actually work and do they make your life more efficient? And the answer is absolutely they do. So anyway, I digress. Trade day is your opportunity to really get to know the house and make a decision. And that's the hard thing, I think, for most designers. Most designers that I meet want the client to decide the style. And while that's partially true, I actually think I'm the expert. And so I should be telling them. So if the client says to me, I want a Victorian home, and they're in a glass modern house, I'm going to say, okay, we have a bit of a problem here, right? It's my job to tell them like, you bought the wrong house. And I actually did talk about that on a podcast recently. I went to a home that was kind of a Japanese Zen style home, and she wanted to make it like a Provencal manor house. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, no. And we didn't get that job. And I'm glad we didn't get that job because I, I can't do what she, she wanted. But anyway, trade is like five, six hours at a at a home. And by the end of trade day, I know the house better than the clients do. So I do, I am in a good position to tell them, you know, um, and I, of course I respect, and I listen to what their suggestion is, of course. And often it's exactly right. Well, and I think sometimes you forget how detailed the um, step three is the trade day and how much time you have during that to clarify anything that maybe you did miss at the consultation, or once you've got your trades on site and they're giving you their ideas and their expertise um, to check that in. Now, I know that clients are not always there for trade day. So if something new comes up to have those conversations, so, you know, following trade day, if they were not there, that is still your opportunity to reach out, not necessarily another in-person meeting, but you can make a phone call or send an email with a couple of follow-up questions to that before you start working in any given direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think there's ever been a time where I was, there's been a, there's been a couple of times where I thought, I'm not sure if she's going to go this way or that way. So option one is this way and option two is that way. And they're very different. Most of the time, this sort of know which direction we're heading. 
Um, it's very unusual not to. And I guess if I was really stumped, then um, I would, as you say, Cheryl, I would check in with the client and just make sure. But, you know, this idea of a meeting before the meeting to double check that you're going the right direction, it's just going to throw the client. It's not going to work. We've talked about a million times. Thousands of designers will tell you it doesn't work. So, so at some point, you do have to be really brave and just stand in your expertise and say, this is the direction we're going. As an expert, this is the direction I recommend you go. Well, and that's what they're paying you for, right? Like it's, it's your expertise. They want to know what you would pick, what you would decide on what your favorite is, not just presenting them with, you know, options for them to make their own decision at the end. That's not, you know, sharing your expertise. That's just giving them options. Right, right. And I know why people do it. I know why I did it when I was younger, because I'm afraid to make a mistake. I'm afraid to be wrong. What if I go down this path and they don't like what I, what I've picked, but the answer, I mean, they will right? If you, if you really commit to it and you give a convincing, confident presentation, they're going to say yes. The next question that I get a lot of uh, members need a lot of clarity around include hiring or including contractor fees in the presentation. For so many either provinces or states, you can't hire contractors directly. And because you do that for your projects, there's a misunderstanding about what you can and can't include in the presentation if you're not technically providing those services yourself. They're not going through you. So if a contractor is being hired directly by the client or a painter is or any of your trades are being hired directly by the client, what portion of their work, if any, do you include in the actual estimate that goes along with your presentation? Okay. So if the contractor or the tradesperson is being hired by the client, none of that would go through my office. That's the client's deal with that person. Now I do know designers who have had successful relationships with trades like that and received some compensation or commission kickback from those trades for being on the job. I have never had that experience. I tried it once and the contractor withheld payment and then threatened to tell the client that I was asking for money. So that didn't go well. I didn't like how that felt. It felt sneaky. It didn't work for me. So if I decide to take a job where the client's going to be hiring all the trades, then I realize I'm giving up a huge amount of income and and that may be fine because then I'm going to spend less time on that job. And I'm going to take five other jobs and I'm going to make the income up somewhere else. But I then also have to be really clear about where the boundaries are in terms of the advice and the consultation I can give. And uh, to be really clear that I have zero control, zero responsibility over those trades, timing, workmanship, quality, uh, deliverables, et cetera. And I just won't be, you know, get myself involved in any of the difficulties around those trades. Unfortunately, when I've done that, you know, sometimes those difficulties do push back, blow back onto me and uh, onto our team, right? Because if if there's a problem with the contractor and my and I've got my own drapery person coming in and he can't come in, you know that that can be a problem for us. So my preference is always to have the trades work for me. And you know, obviously, business of design has members in fifty countries now. We can't possibly advise you on what the laws are locally, but definitely speak to a qualified attorney and find out how you can act as a consultant and have those people report to you and work for you. There, there is a workaround. 
it's different in every state and country. So um, I, you know, I strongly encourage you to figure that out. Well, and, and for the presentation specifically, if there's portions of the work where the client has to hire and work with other, you know, contractors, contractors and trades directly, how do you ensure that they're going to get the full um, design in the presentation of portions of the project are not accounted for? Right. Well, actually, we're doing one right now. It's with clients I really love, but the project's about three hours away and we don't have a contractor who works in that area. And I, and I do trust these clients. He's a lovely guy, the contractor. He's wonderful. I asked him a question. I asked him, I sent him an email with four questions. He answers one question very, very politely, very, very nicely. But I have to follow up 88 times. The way that it works for us is we would do the drawings and then it's the contractor's job to do the building. And so what we ask the clients to allow, and in this case they have, is weekly site visits. So we can go on site every week and we can spot the problems before they happen. Because in, in my experience, if I don't have control of the crew, sometimes decisions are made and somebody changes the plan, but nobody tells us. Um, I'm trying, I wish I could remember somebody shared on a podcast, a situation where the contractor moved the sink and it caused, it caused all of her custom built cabinetry to be uh, really ruined. Um, which was a huge, huge problem. So, um, so those weekly site visits become extremely important, but we do take control of the whole drawing package. Now, if the, if the client was hiring a contractor and an architect and you had no control over the drawing package, then I would just limit my involvement to those things I did have control over and, you know, limit my the presentation to this, this is the tile I selected, this is the drapery I selected, this is the flooring I selected, whatever it is. That was all the questions I had for today. But if you're a member of Business of Design and you've got questions for Kimberly, um, make sure you're joining us for our monthly BOD live meetings as well. If you're looking through membership and you don't find an answer to what you're looking for in one of the programs, there is a coaching Q&A section where you can submit questions. I will either you know, direct you to where you can actually find that answer within existing content, or um, we will cover it on a podcast or in one of our coaching videos. We'll make sure we get those answers to you. We're getting really busy, a lot of coaching calls. I see a real um, uh, urgency and a lot of members looking to implement and make changes to the systems because I think during COVID, it, it got a little bit slow and then it got really fast. And so some of the problems that maybe seemed like they were just mildly annoying are suddenly hugely annoying. So it, it does feel that people have really stepped it up and are trying to get the backend systems running more efficiently so they can do better work and make those clients happy. Cause we, we all want that, right? I sure do. Yeah. And it's really nice to see, um, you know, members posting in the private Facebook group, not just asking one another questions, but just sharing successes. It's so great to see that, you know, the support going on in there, uh, just that accountability alone sort of, um, you know, keeps it keeps it going especially if you've been a member for a while to sort of if you are really busy to sort of you know try and speed things up or cut corners so it's nice that they've got that that group and that support it's it's super active in there and we're always just sort of skimming along to follow what's happening in the community i know i love it it makes me so happy people post like checks like look at the deposit i received today i never dreamed i'd get a deposit this big or 
Uh, anyway, it's fun. It is fun to be a fly in the wall in the, in the Facebook group. Cheryl, thank you so, so much. No problem. I'll come back on another episode. I'm sure I'll have more questions for you soon. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. All right. And let's figure out another way to get together face to face. That was too fun. I know. We'll get another event on the calendar soon. Have a great week. You too. Talk to you soon. And you, everybody, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today. 